I then wrote another letter back to the doctor saying, thank you for adjusting the blood pressure medication. The patient's feeling much better. I've taken it today. This is what the reading was for your records, etc., etc." That doctor made a comment to that patient that, oh, he sent it back and thank you for him sending it back and I've been so busy I haven't sent a letter back to him. He remembered because I reinforced what that doctor was doing and that doctor then gained respect to me, for me. Um, that doctor has sent since me other patients with hypertension as well. So it's, it's sometimes how you go about it it's really important and not trying to feed your beliefs or your treatment um, over to the doctor because they're not a naturopath. We don't want them to treat as a naturopath, we want them to treat as a doctor. So we need to respect them in their field. Welcome to the Metagenics Best Practice Podcast, Standing on the Shoulders of Giants, practitioner to practitioner conversations to inspire, mentor and learn from. Do you need a few tips on how to build a better working relationship with GPs and specialists? Listen in today to hear how Stuart Houghton establishes and fosters relationships with a wide range of doctors who refer patients to him on a daily basis. This is our second candid conversation with Stuart, where he discusses the importance of being consistent and persistent, building a firm and respectful relationship, and having communication systems in place. Uh, well, here I am in the office. I'm actually now back with Stuart Houghton. I did uh, such a wonderful conversation with him. Well, actually, it wasn't my end. It was uh, Stuart's end of the conversation in a podcast earlier last year, 2017. And uh, there was some so much great information in there. And we started getting onto the topic of how he works in with GPs and specialists in his area. And I thought, wow, you know, that's such important information for practitioners to know about. We get asked this all the time. How do I work in with doctors? How do I get in there? Um, you know, specialists won't take me seriously. And Stuart doesn't seem to have any problems with that. So thanks so much for coming back on board with me, Stuart. Thanks, Angela. Uh, what I'd like to start out with is just what does uh, your week in, week out look like with regards to your interactions with GPs and specialists? Uh, because most naturopaths, most natural health care practitioners find it a struggle to get into working with GPs, to be taken seriously, and probably on a day-to-day basis don't have a lot of interaction with GPs as part of their practice running. So what does it look like in your world? Okay, certainly. Um, I think um, most days that we are contacting a doctor, it wouldn't a day a day wouldn't go past that we wouldn't actually be speaking to someone, whether that be a GP or a specialist. That might be through email or through the directly on the phone. Um, most commonly, we'll see that through email. Um, quite often, on a daily basis, we'll also get a referral from doctors as well, and we'll find that those referrals will be normally written and be provided by the patient mm-hmm. or sent through to us. We actually are finding now that a lot of the time it's the GP, particularly the specialists that are actually calling to try to get the patients in earlier because normally there is a wait list. Um, so the, sorry, the so specialists are calling you to get them yes. into you earlier? Yes, they are. Ooh, that's nice. So we get that quite often. Um, we'll normally get about five or, five or six calls a week regarding that. Um, quite often they will be along the lines of being gynecologists, obstetricians. Yep. Um, particularly working with conditions like thrush. Um, and we do actually have a couple of oncologists that refer on a off, like quite an often basis. Um, but that's also talking about other areas of health as well. We're mm-hmm. talking about dentists, 
as well as your GPs, integrated GPs will call up. Um, and even, interestingly enough, we get cosmetic doctors and plastic surgeons. What, what are they contacting you for? Quite often it would be to do with the patient and healing, particularly after certain <sighs> therapies or if they're undergoing procedures or they're reusing supplements on an often basis. Yeah. A lot of patients that will use a lot of cosmetic um, devices or fillers, etc., um, go under surgery, they'll be quite concerned about ageing and their health and their mm -hmm. appearance. So they'll be using supplements and nutritional factors and nutraceuticals quite often. And they won't always understand what all of those do. So they will often refer them into us to actually be able to clarify what they can and can't be taking leading up to the surgery, post-surgery, and also on an ongoing basis. Um, quite often you'll see with, with someone who is concerned about their, their, their appearance or their health that they will be overdoing it as well. And they'll be <laughs> taking one of everything. I think, I think so, we've seen that as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes, so with, with where you're situated, which is in the southern suburbs of Sydney, yes. um, do you have a lot of those practices around you, a lot of the GPs around you? A, a lot. Um, Miranda is a, is a southern suburb of Sydney, so it is actually a medical hub of the Sutherland Shire. So we're actually right next door to a, um, a specialist building which contains a chemotherapy facility. Um, everywhere within walking distance we have everything from um, ENTs to gynecologists to, um, you know, cosmetic, everything. We've got all of them. So oncologists right next door to us, um, and it goes, list goes on and on. Mm. So it's really important that because I'm in such a strong medical hub, and that has really grown over the past eight years, um, that, those, that presence of medicine, that we are able to communicate with those those. Um, practitioners, those doctors and specialists, because we do find that quite often someone will walk out from next door, which is from chemotherapy treatment, or someone who's gone up there with them will walk out and grab coffee and walk around waiting while the treatment goes on, and um, we'll walk past and come in and even inquire what we oh, do. Okay. So, what so we do need to... Sorry, go yeah, on. We do need to know where the patient's at and what they're going through to be able to undertake any sort of integrative healthcare treatment. Mm. It sounded like from what you're saying uh, before that uh, the the GPs, the specialists, are referring their patients to you rather than yep. you referring back to them. That is that is that is correct. <clears throat> wow, that's um, that's really unusual, isn't it, in the natural therapist yep. world? And do you share it, patients? Do you share case notes? Hundred percent, hundred percent, we do, and we, we we discuss quite often what will be happening now. You have to remember, both of us are very busy, and um, it will be really the patients that are requiring um, quite um, consistent and precise care that we will. Um, if something is going wrong, if something is not improving, they are known to, we will, they will contact us, we'll contact the doctor, or the doctor will contact us and say, hey, this is happening in their blood. Um, the kidney function is being affected. Um, that's mm -hmm. a quite a common one. Yeah. We'll get that... Um, that sent through to us straight away. Um, most of the contact that we'll have with the particularly specialists will be very much case specific um, and depending on what they're having, especially if they're having um, failure to treat it with, with standard medical prescriptions. So you sound like you're really competent and confident in interpreting test reports? I, I feel I am, I must admit, <laughs> if that's cocky. I, I do feel I am. I, I feel that that is important. I love, I love science, um, 
and I love pathology, but it's it's only one picture of the person's health, and it and it's very important to be able to read that pathology. If we can't read that pathology and we don't understand medical terms, we will not be able to communicate with our, mm. our medical peers. Did you do extra training to undertake to understand that a bit better than what we get taught at college? Yes, yes, I have. Oh, I have. I've, I've gone under a lot more training. And I've also actually contacted doctors and asked for advice in certain areas, mm. particularly specialists. So I'll say, what does this mean? What does that mean? Um, I've actually sat down. I've had dinners. I've actually even offered some specialists that can you train me in this can I pay you mm. to actually explain this condition to me and you know what no one has ever allowed me to pay them they've just been excited to share their knowledge oh that's that's probably because, advice that's tip number one isn't it <laughs> oh yeah for people you listening. have to share yeah what you um, have to share so you're saying about the training where did you do the extra training do you mean with the, the specialists themselves or did you do a course or uh, there was be? a course that was run um, there was a there was a really great symptomology and diagnosis course that was run many years ago. It was mm-hmm. just one that I'd seen advertised, yeah. um, and that trainer actually had a background in medical health, mm-hmm. so that was a fantastic opportunity. The other ones were obviously I had I'd done a lot of medical based subjects at university as well, um, so that was a really strong backing for me. Yeah. But I always am researching, researching, researching. Okay. Um, because I also have friends that are in medicine um, and I grew up with other people who are in the medical field as well, it's given me the skill set. Um, but it's also important that you go out there and you look for it because it's constantly changing. Yeah. And we need to stay on top of it. And this is where we're probably seeing the biggest flaw is that we're not staying on top of the changing health trends that are out there, when, especially when it comes to medicine yeah. and the changing prescriptions and drugs that are available. Mm-hmm. Your pharmacist can be absolutely your best friend. Yeah, and most okay. pharmacists will be very open to integrative healthcare because they understand the biochemical pathways of a drug, but understand where most of those drugs are coming from. You know, I think a few years ago, it was around 70%, don't quote me on this, of <laughs> um, drugs or pharmaceuticals were active constituents were, um, or medicines were actually plant-based originally. Yeah. Yeah. So they're quite high stats. So it's really, your pharmacist can absolutely be your best friend when learning about these drugs. And once you learn about these drugs, you can actively communicate with your prescribing um, physician about what you see. Yeah, right. I might actually come back and um, chat about the pharmacy aspect of it um, in in a... in the next section that I want to talk to you about uh, when we talk about how you actually set up these relationships. But I am curious, um, herb drug interactions. So uh, how much caution do you exercise? How much conversation do you have with your GPs, your specialists? How much concern do they have regarding the possibility of herb drug or nutrient interactions? I, I believe I make it very clear initially that that's why I'm contacting them. Okay. Um, in most cases, that will be one of the drivers for why. Even though we know there's generally a fairly low risk with a lot of medications, mm-hmm. it, it's also really important that you make it clear because we don't want one patient to have a reaction. No. We don't want to have anyone to have a reaction. Mm. So whether that's the drug-causing a reaction or the, the nutraceutical-causing a reaction, it's really important that we make it clear to the prescribing physician. In one of the parts of me con- contacting them, is to state that they are the prescribing physician and I need to have a clear and concise relationship with them to make mm. sure, especially in a chronic cases, we're talking about oncology-based cases, cancer, diabetes, 
um, that is uncontrolled, um, that what medications they're on, and if any medications change, we need to be informed immediately True. because we want to make sure that there are not any drug interactions with those. Yeah, just, just um, I don't know whether you are aware, but we do have on our Metagenics technical data sheets, we actually have I use them every day. You do use them every day? Every day, every oh, day. And I quite often call tech, tech support as well um, regarding those okay. drugs. We, I rang up yesterday regarding <laughs> calcium channel blockers and, yeah. and devil's claw because I had a patient with angina who was being monitored, uh, controlled symptomatically. So she wasn't required to use the calcium channel blocker all the time, just when she had a, um, an arrhythmia. Yeah. And what would actually do is I know that devil's claw can inhibit that drug from working efficiently. Mm -hmm. So what I was unaware of and I wasn't sure was, if this patient, when they're not using this and they need, because they've got arthritis, I wanted them to use the um, inflavonoid sustain mm -hmm. care. Um, that has devil's claw in it yep. and that would be a perfect supplement for them but because of that devil's claw I was unsure yep. would that devil's claw exacerbate a patient's um, arrhythmias when they weren't using the medication yep. so I actually had to ring up and find out about that yep. and you're pretty clear with your specialists and GPs and your communication that, that that's the sort of stuff you look into and take account of 100% okay. 100% and I'll explain it to the patient <laughs> mm and to make sure it's also being fed back. Remember, your patient is also the, the communicator between you and your GP. Yep. They have to understand what they're doing. They also need to communicate back to their doctor that my naturopath has done this, but yep. also they wanted me to come back to you. They want me to see you. They want you to keep monitoring me, you know? That yep. is really, really empowering to the GP that they're being respected. Yep, great. Okay. Um, so then I wanted to um, ask you really, I suppose, the next question that's probably on most people's minds uh, would be how, do you, how did you initially set up those relationships? But just before I get into answer that one, do you have a, uh, a standard letter that you use if you refer <laughs> yes. one of your patients to them? Yes, I do. Okay. I do. I have a, a letter set up. I have a, I have a template for everything, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, we're, we're a little bit retentive in our clinic. Um, it, it's really important to have a letter set up, you know, that actually outlines what you're going to include um, when you contact them. Um, most of my um, contact with the, with, with the prescribing physician will normally be through um, letter or email. Yep. And I'll always give my patient a letter back um, to give to their doctor as well as sure. sometimes faxing it off or emailing it off to them as well, yep. depending on what line of contact I have. Did you initially, because I know myself when I was uh, in practice trying to you know, get my way into to dealing with GPs, the letters, you know, just they were hit and miss sometimes uh, with, oh, with yeah. the GPs. So have you gone through a learning curve with regards to how you write your letters now? Um, I certainly have. I think when I first started, I, I wanted to tell the doctor everything. <laughs> and I was so confident that and excited that this patient could get better. But unfortunately, when you're talking about, um, you know, leaky gut and all that, they don't understand any of that. Mm. They don't know what that is. So it's really important to keep it um, concise and clear yep. um, with what you're actually um 
want to transpire to that actual doctor. Okay. Um, it has to be on a medical term. They are suffering these symptoms. They got petitis. They are currently on this medication. So that's good because I think that's one of those struggling things that uh, that patients have with regards to the the communication process. So let's let's jump into the, the the section that I want to talk about with you now on the how did this come about? How did you? How do you get your foot in the door? How did you become known? How did you, you know, did you knock on doors? Did you do appointments with the doctors? Um, how did it work? Um, I think it started even before I became a practitioner, to be honest. Mm. Um, and I'll, and I'll, I'll explain what this is. I was always, I had a, always an interest in integrative um, healthcare before I became a naturopath. So I always found doctors that agreed with me and I learned myself what I could and couldn't say. If I went into the GP and I said, I'm taking this homeopathic, they would look at you like you're a nutcase. So I started to learn the ones that I could and couldn't talk to <laughs> and how I could transpire um, that information across. And so in understanding that, I was able to start to go ahead and start to learn to keep it precise to keep it clear so when I started working as a naturopath and I needed to communicate with a with a doctor I would, and I started writing even though I got excited by all these terms I learned as a naturopath there was always hit and miss initially but I started to notice that the ones that responded were the ones that I didn't have time to write a really big letter mm. I was rushed I'd write a quick concise easy letter and then all of a sudden I started to realize hey they're the ones who are getting back to me. They're the ones who are actually following through with the patient. So sometimes spending, you know, an hour trying to write a referral letter, which I imagine there's a lot of people who have done that, because <laughs> um, they want to get it perfect. They don't want to look like a, a crazy person. Um, it's not always the thing you need to do. It, it, it's, I started to write a letter that was clear. It was simple. It stated the patient's problem. It stated... Um, what I needed them to do. I didn't necessarily go into what I was prescribing them because that started to look like I was taking over the role of the doctor. Yep. So I would keep that out. And then I would see how they would come back to me. If I would, sometimes I would get a response and sometimes I wouldn't get a response. If I didn't get a response but the patient had been improving, for example, we had a patient with, um, you know, they had problems with blood pressure and on their blood pressure medication, but their blood pressure wasn't coming down and it was still quite high. We did have one uh, last year that his blood pressure was 188 um, over something high on the low number as well. And we actually, I actually suggested to him, look, you need to go back to the doctor. This blood pressure is still elevated and you need to get your blood pressure medication changed. I made that quite clear. I didn't get a letter back from that physician, mm. but what I did get is a change in his blood pressure medication, which adjusted his blood pressure and brought it down. Yep. I then wrote another letter back to the doctor saying, thank you for adjusting the blood pressure medication. The patient's feeling much better. I've taken it today. This is what the reading was for your records, et cetera, et cetera. That doctor made a comment to that patient that, oh, he sent it back and thank you for him sending it back and I've been so busy I haven't sent a letter back to him. Mm. he remembered yeah. because I reinforced what that doctor was doing and that doctor then gained respect to me yeah. for me um, that doctor has sent since me other patients with hypertension as well so it, it's, it's sometimes how you go about it 
it's really important and not trying to feed your beliefs or your treatment um, over to the doctor because they're not a naturopath. No. We don't want them to treat as a naturopath. We want them to treat as a doctor. So we need to respect them in their field. They've studied for a long time. They deserve that respect. Yeah, and we agree. deserve respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think um, keeping that professional edge up from your end sounds very much like uh, exercising due diligence like you did with that return letter just really reinforces to them that you are on board and that you do have the patient's best interest at heart and you're not going to, you know, wave bones over them and, you know, dance around with a, you know, <laughs> like some sort of tribal yeah. dance because uh, they have no idea what happens in our practices they don't know what we do and they only you know no. can guess what what happens in there so the interactions that you have with the practitioners with the specialists in the hospital can you tell me about that side of things rather than yes. just the gps yes yes definitely um depending on the case again but most often the specialists if i'm actually um encouraging the patient to go to the specialist mm-hmm. um, that can be a be a sign quite often a good example would be um pcos or um we're looking at endometriosis gynecological I- I- issues i find gynecologists are actually probably one of the best in the specialty field in dealing with integrative healthcare um, because they're looking at a bigger picture most of the time and female hormones particularly are, are quite complex so um, I quite often will refer them back to their gynecologist to make sure things are done. A good example would be when I have a woman come in who's, who's constantly getting chronic you know, period pain or ovarian pain and ensuring that they've actually done the correct ultrasound. I'll see quite often the patient will be given an external ultrasound when really they should have an internal ultrasound if they're sexually active. So... If they haven't had that, I'll encourage them to go back to their doctor, have an internal ultrasound done and get referred to a gynecologist um, because they might have ongoing issues there. If they've got ongoing severe thrush, etc. This is important because we don't want to miss anything with our patients. We could easily get a patient in that has, you know, severe thrush. And we might, I, might, I get referrals for that from gynecologists all the time. But I do also want it under, uh, the care to also be undertaken also by the gynecologists themselves as well. Mm-hmm. Because if anything more sinister is going on, they're the first line um, to getting that sorted. And they need to get that sorted. Um, quite often, if the patient is going to the specialist to begin with and they come into me and they advise me that this is the treatment they're undergoing, um, they're currently undergoing... Um, again, if it's gynecological, they might be on the pill because they've got um, PCOS. And what we want to do is we know that the pill will imbalance the copper and the zinc levels. It will throw out the, the microbiome. So you want to get some probiotics in there, all of that in there. And I encourage my patient to actually tell the gynecologist that that's what they're doing, especially if they're getting symptoms. If they're experiencing symptoms on the pill, I'll try to prescribe something in accordance to those symptoms to help with it. And I'll also write the letter back if they're going back to the gynecologist with what's actually I've prescribed to let them know that that has been of assistance to them. Yeah. Do you have um, experience with GPs or specialists giving conflicting advice to what you've given? Has there situations? Every day. Oh, really? How do you deal with that? Every day, yes. 
every day. How do I deal with that? Oh, um, <laughs> it, it depends. Um, for example, quite often I will get the feedback, especially from a lot of um, medical clinics, when they're not seeing their normal doctor. Mm-hmm. They'll go in there and it might be a patient who I'll see all the time. And they'll go in and they'll have to go on antibiotics because they've got a respiratory tract infection. Um, in that case, they'll say, oh, I'm taking my, anti- my probiotic with my antibiotics. Oh, no, you can't. Those things are useless. They don't work. Um, we really want to educate our, our patients to begin with the importance of it. But then we also want to educate the, the doctor. Now, if the doctor is going to, if I'm going to have a working relationship with that doctor, because that is their main doctor, I will follow through and make sure that that doctor is aware of why that patient's been prescribed that. Mm-hmm. Um, in some cases, I will, I'll want them to know. So I'll actually write the doctor a letter and I'll actually state, you know, thank you for seeing Joe Bloggs um, and prescribing them Keflex. Um, they're current, I've prescribed them a, a probiotic. Uh, this is the probiotic. This is the benefits of the probiotic. And normally I'll inc- in, put in a bit of research of co-administration of antibiotics and probiotics. Um, and normally that will be an RCT, double-blinded mm-hmm. um, study that I'll include. And I'll make sure if that's the study I'm using, I'll also give the probiotic with that strain in it as well um, so that they can go back. It's really important in those situations that the patient and the doctor are communicating clearly as well. Mm. If the patient is being told on a repetitive basis that what they're doing is rubbish or isn't isn't worth it or they're an idiot, I've had patients called idiots before, um, stupid, they've been demoralised quite often. Because um, of seeing you? Because of seeing a naturopath, yeah, yes. Because wow. naturopaths in their mind are bad. Um, it's normally because they don't understand what a naturopath does. It's then up to the patient to make a decision whether or not they are wanting to either continue with my care because if they like their doctor and they, they feel trust in their doctor, I don't want them lying to their prescribing physician and saying, oh, no, I don't take any of that because it's really important that we still have clear communication and there's transparency between what the patient is administering to their body. Mm. Um, if the patient is unhappy with the doctor but really happy with my management, then I'll sort of encourage or I'll encourage them to think about finding a new practitioner or GP um, or specialist that actually is supportive of their, their health care. Okay. Um, it's really important the patient feels supported. Mm. And if the patient is being demoralised in any way, they're not being supported and they're going to start re- re- holding back information. It's just as bad if I go back and I say, well, your doctor's an idiot. Mm. That makes them feel like, oh, well, I really like my doctor, but I'm yeah. not going to tell Stuart next time I see the doctor. Yeah. We don't want that. We need transparency. And that's what's so important. We're, we work in different fields, mm. but our fields are just as important as each other. Yeah, I agree with that you one. Know? That's very nicely put. What about um, coming down to cost? Because uh, there's a cost perception that naturopaths are expensive compared to going to a doctor. Do you have patients that uh, wave that flag in your face? Actually, not really. Okay. No, it's a really. I, I always worried about that, especially in the initial years of practicing. I was always really worried if um, I was charging too much, but. The biggest thing I was actually um, would be concerned about is 
are you educating your patient? You know, we do have private health funds, and I know there's a big issue with that at the moment going on. But um, it's really important the patient can see the benefit. If you're prescribing um, correctly, um, the patient should be getting a result. And if they're not being getting a result, they need to be communicated back to say, okay, maybe this is why, let's go over the symptoms and, and that again, let's ask all the questions again to make sure we're not missing anything. Yeah. But cost, how do you put a price on your health? Yes. I, 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 I can't do that. I'm not one of those people. Um, I think if someone's going to be very concerned about the cost and how much they're going to be spending, and I'm talking about every single cent, like how much the consultation is, how much everything is, I question their their priorities yeah. of what they're actually after and are they going to commit to my treatment? Because I'll have patients come through that if they're not going to commit to what I've advised and there's not a reason why they can't commit, you know, that's actually quite genuine, they're just purely lazy, then I won't continue to see that patient until they're ready yeah. because I don't want them to waste money, you know, and time and also stop someone else from seeing me who does need to see me. Yep, yep. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, explaining to them that the, the health benefits of seeing you really, you know, as far as, you know, their ability to work more efficiently yeah. in their job, to have greater quality of life yeah. with their family and greater energy, that's, to me, that's, uh, that's not a lot to pay. You know, it, it, no, it's not. And I had a patient come in last year who was a new patient and she actually got referred to me by another patient who was in the Centrelink line. And she's actually been chronically ill for, for many, many years. And she was actually originally an accountant. But she came down very sick and it was living on multiple pain medications, including like Lyrica and, and that. And um, she was living in housing commission and was really struggling. I think she was, I think by memory, there was like 13 or 15 different medications that she was on every every day and um, it was getting worse and worse for her and we were actually able to she was able to come in and she actually had to save and wait quite a long time we're talking six months to come to see me and she came to see me and then I talked to her about it and I actually recommended um, you know she goes on to just one thing and that was actually an inflavonoid product and and I had to start using that and said, look, just start that and tell me how you go. She rings me two weeks later and says she's like 80% better. Wow. The pain has reduced so dramatically she can't believe it that she's actually on her own. She's actually didn't renew her prescription a week ago for the Lyrica. And that was very significant. That lady, I actually haven't um, consulted with her again, but she has stayed in touch. And... She just said how much better she's getting and better she's getting that she's actually dropped her medication down significantly and I can't remember how much what how much she's taken mm. off, but her medication has been reduced. That's and she's really, really yeah. grateful. And I know that Rachel, my receptionist, actually told me, she's also a nurse, actually told me that she is in in June, I believe, just after we get back from Congress. So Yes. Get her back in to see it's, you again. And she yes. she just keeps the prescript the script going. Definitely, yeah. and, and that's that we've got to take consideration for patients in those situations, but the good news actually on her is she's actually had to go back and she's got back into TAFE this year, by the way, oh. to have to renew something to do with her accounting and she has to go back and do some courses, but she's going to do bookkeeping first yep. 
and um, and then she wants to get back to accountancy. But it's able it enabled her to get back to try to get her registrations back to be able to practice or again. Wow! So, so that's, that's a significant that... of improvement. Yeah, that's but fabulous. Well done. I'll say on this note, people are normally very proud, and the people who I always have found I've worked in in very very wealthy areas and areas that had um, you know much more greater financial burdens. And I've actually always found that those who, are, you know, normally have less money, who are struggling, are more proud, mm. and normally will not ask for discounts or anything like that. Mm. But and it's quite interesting why I don't know why that is, but it's that's what we've we've noticed quite often clinically. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Um, you were mentioning earlier about um, an event that you went to where I remember getting an email from you actually just the, the next day and you'd said, oh, you know, I was at this event and there were 18 GPs that I was yes. uh, presenting to. Uh, tell me about the event and how that came about and how it turned out in the end. Okay. Um, one of our G, uh, GPs that we have quite a regular contact with um, was working in a, is working actually in a medical clinic that was um, with quite a number of other practitioners, quite a large medical, generalised medical clinic. Um, and she actually asked me if I'd be interested in coming up and having a talk to some of the other doctors in there, the role of naturopathy and nutritional supplementations, and particularly things like probiotics and, and vitamins and those type of things that they get questions about all the time. And this actually came about because they were sitting together at, having lunch, a group of them, saying, oh, we don't know what we can put with this. We don't know what we can put with this supplement. You know, so I just tell them not to take it. It's easier. It's going to reduce the risk of um, reactions. And she actually piped up and said, look, I use a naturopath, um, and I actually refer to him, and he gives me more clarity, and he will not play with the medications. He will not um, change the medications, etc." And they were interested, and one of them actually said, oh, we really need to talk to him. And then she made the suggestion that she would call me and if I would come up and have a chat. My original intent was that it was actually only going to be a few, a few doctors, you know, three or five doctors sitting down having a talk about it at the table. And it turned out they actually had 18 GPs there. And, from, and they called other friends over and got into conversation about it. And we actually... We discussed the utilisation of um, integrative healthcare and naturopathics, and that in the in the industry of health, and it was it was quite significant because so many of those doctors were misinformed, mm. you know, it, and and that's what we needed to really clarify the importance of it. They didn't understand the differences between iron. They didn't understand the differences between different types of probiotics and what they do. They didn't understand the differences between you know, a, a fridge probiotic and a, and a non-refrigerated probiotic mm. on the counter and how to prescribe them. Um, a lot of them believed, again, you couldn't take probiotics with antibiotics, you know, or to separate them apart. They thought you just don't take them, it's fine, the gut repairs itself. And the more and more information I provided, the more interested they became. We talked about depression. We talked about the role of um, curcumin and saffron in that. And... That was very, very fascinating for a lot of them, was mm. to understand the role of inflammation. You know, one of the statements I said to them 
if you're ever bloated in the stomach and uncomfortable, do you feel motivated? Do you feel like you want to go out there and do something? And they all laughed and said, no, 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 you know, and made a few jokes about it. And I said, imagine that's a state of inflammation. That's going on in those patients. So imagine if their digestion, when you ask me, how does your digestion affect your brain? Well, that's a perfect example of how your yeah. digestion affects your brain yeah. and why it's so important to have that working efficiently so you, you can actually feel positive and motivated and, and that. Mm. Um, so have you got an ongoing relationship with those, the rest of the, the GPs that a, were there now? A few of them, yes. A few of them have quite, quite a lot of them have referred yep. um, to us. Um, that was that was. That was actually surprising because I actually never go to these events with business cards or <laughs> anything. I don't because I know it sounds really counterproductive, but um, I go there because I want to educate. You know, I just want to get the word out there and say, hey guys, this is what we do. This is not a load of quackery. This is actually genuine um, health science. And we can actually improve people's lives. So it, it, when it comes down to it, I think it's, um, it's significant how many people have contacted me. And to have your a face to a naturopath, to have someone come into their practice and say to them, I'm using this vitamin, that vitamin, this is what we've got a lot of referral for, is, oh, look, I don't know what to do here. Look, I'll send you to a naturopath. And then they send them, them down. Mm. And we don't know why they're coming half the time. Yeah. Uh, half the time they'll come, well, we've actually, we've only just started seeing a few of those because yeah. we're quite heavily booked. Um, but the last one I saw, she actually said, I don't know. He just said, I have to discuss all my supplements with you. Okay, so they're not writing you a referral letter. They're just sending them down and saying, go talk to Stuart. Sometimes, yes, and sometimes they will. There's, there's one um, lady, she's actually been writing quite in-depth letters. <laughs> Um, and she's been giving me a full record of all their medications and everything they're on and all of that. Right. And um, she actually wrote me a, an email saying, you know, thank you for um, seeing all this. She said, I hope I'm not sending through too much information. Yep. And there's never such thing as too much information. It's wonderful. Yeah. And um, so I actually wrote a lovely email back to her and actually said thank you for all this. And, um, so you're that, very, very big generally... on your relationship building, aren't you? You have to be. Yeah. Did you, you ever, have, have you ever done a, um, had gone through a period of time where you've gone, oh, you know, this, I just can't get these relationships working. Um, you know, are there, I guess where I'm coming from is, is have you had a learning curve? Have you had a bit where this, this relationship building just wasn't working for you? Um, you know, what, and what changed? Um, yes. Okay. There was, um, Many years ago, it was back when I first started out in the um, healthcare field. I was actually working as a um, massage therapist, kinesiologist first. And I had a, a girl coming into me and I was, I was really worried about her. And I'd sent people off, especially with massage, saying, look, I'm concerned about this. I think this might be fractured or this might be torn and go to your doctor and talk to them about it. Um, and, but... Um, I had a girl come in to me and I was, I was actually, it's quite upsetting, but I was really worried about her and she was tired and fatigued all the time. And the doctor kept saying, there's nothing wrong with her. She's absolutely fine, etc." Anyway, um, a few months down the track, it turned out she actually had um, leukemia 
Mm. And the doctor had ignored it and ignored it. And I realized, and even though I had sent them back, the doctor had said before she'd been diagnosed with leukemia that the person you're seeing is a massage therapist, they don't know what they're talking about, you're absolutely fine, you're just depressed. Mm. You know, stop seeing him. And she kept coming in because, you know, she, she always felt mentally sort of better, but she just physically didn't feel well. And anyway, she got um, diagnosed and she ended up dying from mm. cancer. And it was quite sad because she was only 17. And they actually, had said, the mother had said to me that the specialist said, if only we had gotten her a few months earlier, wow. it could have been a different story. And that kind of drove me, it really did drive me, to be honest, um, to really push and to really work on those relationships with those doctors. And because there was a moment that I did actually say to the mother, and partly the mother did say to me that she blamed herself, and I, I don't think you can blame yourself for this, but no. I said to her, look, go to another doctor because I'm really not happy. Like, I really don't think something, I think something's wrong. Mm. But I learned how important it was to actually push those factors and to yeah. really form a relationship. And I had to work out how can I get these people listening to me. And that's what really made me thinking. So thinking that I have to get this improved. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I was in your clinic doing the last podcast or the first podcast, if, if you like, mm. um, you were talking about how you have these conversations with the specialists and the doctors and sometimes they disregard what you say and your recommendations and your observations. And I noticed while you were recounting the story that the tone of your voice got firmer and firmer and firmer. Is that something that you cognitively do? Um, you know, you speak to them in a firm tone. Do you, do you change your, your demeanour to deal with them? Yes. It, it, part of adding to what we spoke about earlier, actually, um, as well, if I do have someone that will not listen and there is something wrong, I will make sure I educate myself to the max about that condition, um, about the drugs that they're on. I'll contact the pharmacist. I'll know everything about it. Mm. So there is absolutely no reason for them to discount what I'm actually saying. Mm, okay. I need to know that I'm 100% right yeah. um, because we will always get the patient that goes gets missed mm. you know that we'll always get that patient and that that can't happen you know I had a patient today that I saw and a lovely woman but she'd been going around for for years thinking that she was just suffering from fatigue and it turns out she's actually got lupus yeah, right and it wasn't until we actually got her tested and I started saying look we'll get this tested and get that tested and it turned out she actually had lupus and her doctor is absolutely fantastic with me now um, so it's really important that we actually understand the condition especially when we're contacting that doctor yeah. um, and we're really firm about it because we might have a patient that we're just not sure we just want to go back get some blood work done get them tested checked out and you make that clear that they might not have had any pathology done for 10 years in those cases. You yeah. don't actually want to start treatment with them until they've had that pathology updated because you want clear and concise results. Yeah. And when you have those results come back, if there's a um, problem, you can actually start treatment. And if when you start treatment, when that doctor sees those results, 
they're going to go, oh, wow, they're doing something that's actually working. Um, especially if it's been chronic and ongoing and they haven't seen a change for a long time. Yeah. You really want fresh blood work before you start treatment. Yeah, that's Don't jump in really and give them problem. something. Get pathology, then start the treatment, then get the pathology yeah. followed up and make that clear to the doctor. Say, look, I'm undergoing, I'm starting this patient on this. They've had this problem being quite chronic for so many years or months or whatever. I would like you to follow up with further pathology in this period of time to see if what we're doing is effective. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when I am actually quite firm back on that, jumping back to that with them, um, I will know, need to know that condition very well. Yeah. I'll yeah. be very, very firm about it. Mm. And I will be quite blunt, um, especially if I'm concerned about it being something very sinister. Yeah. We had a patient who actually had cancer that um, I was very concerned about for years. He was 27 when he first came. I think he was 27 when he first came to me. And he was always fatigued and fatigued and fatigued. And when I was discussing, he always suffered from terrible problems with his constipation. And I remember him having blood work done, and the blood work was always, you know, absolutely fine. And I told him, look, go for a colon. I think you should go back to your doctor, talk to him about seeing a gastroenterologist um, and getting a colonoscopy done. He went back to the doctor. The doctor said, no, you don't need it. You're 27. Mm. Um, it's probably depression. And um, anyway, unfortunately, he died last year at 34 from um, metastasized bowel cancer to the um, liver, lungs, and lymphatic system. Mm. So what was sad was he came back to me three years later, and he actually rang me, and I picked up the phone, and he was actually at the um, walking out of the oncologist's office, had just been diagnosed with um, terminal bowel cancer. So and saying, I don't know if you remember me, but it's it's those situations where he had actually made the decision to listen to the doctor and not listen to me. Yeah. And it's not a he said or she said situation, but we'll always have those moments where we will feel like we fail um, I, and we haven't done the best, but it's always I have to take from that a learning curve. You know, he and his family, I see all his family now, they were all very grateful. He was very grateful for what I had told him. Um, you know, but it, it's always important that we do ensure that we are firm on our belief systems, we're firm on our what we need to achieve if we think that the patient is endangered. Mm, yeah, you know? absolutely. Do you, um, I hear this from practitioners, so I'm going to sort of ask this for the general practitioners out there. I hear this over and over again. They, they can't find doctors who will do the tests they want. I don't think it's our job to tell the doctor what tests to always do. But what if, what if you've got your patient and you go, oh, okay, yes. I want their iron studies done or I want um, the thyroid, you know, the T3, T4, reverse T3 or I want, um, I want their vitamin D checked? Where, where are you, you sitting with that? Okay, so if, you need, if you've got a, a good relationship, obviously, with the doctor, you can, you can request that and sometimes they'll just do it for you. No, no, you don't? No question asked. Exactly. But you need to form that relationship first but be able to get to that point. Mm -hmm. You can't just expect to send a letter to the doctor, not know them, and get those results. Yeah. You won't. So, so the what, benefit... So, so what, yes? what you've seen from uh, your relationships and, and how 
the GP's clinics run themselves, the medical centres run and so forth. Um, advice on getting that happening, would would you recommend making a relationship first with the office manager? Uh, or going to, you, You'd go through the office manager, not through the GPs themselves? I would, I would be doing both. So you bring up a really valid point. Um, when actually I always get to know the receptionist, always, mm-hmm. because those receptionists, just like your own receptionist, is the first point of call for your practice first point of call for the GP's practice and they run the show. The doctor doesn't run the show. The clinic manager runs the show. The receptionist runs the show. And it's really important that you have a good working relationship because your email that you send through, that in most cases, if you don't have the GP's personal email, it go to admin first. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, so if we step back to those points, we need to start building a reliable relationship. If I had a patient who was suffering from what I suspected was anemia, mm-hmm. I would send the patient back to the doctor and, say, and tell the patient, you know, you're tired, you're fatigued. If they wanted to write me, if they wanted me to write a referral letter to start with, mm-hmm. I would do that. But in some cases, I wouldn't even worry too much initially. I would say, go back to your GP and actually, you know, tell them that you're fatigued, you're tired and all this because we don't want to give you iron. Because if you've got hemochromatosis, you could have the same symptoms as having low iron. So we want to make sure you go back, get that done, to find out when their last pathology test was. Most, most, most of the time you can have that pathology test, test done once a year. Mm-hmm. And most doctors will agree with that. So if they're getting those numbers and those, those things and it comes back that they are anemic and they have done that test, then you can actually prescribe them the correct diet, prescribe them the correct thing. And also then write your letter back to the doctor and say, thank you for following up with this patient's care. I've prescribed them this type of iron, an iron glyconate because I want to reduce the risk of constipation, yeah. and et cetera. Um, just letting you know this iron is, you know, 93% absorbed, et cetera, whatever you want to say. Um, you, you can do take that route to begin with. But... You don't want to step on the toes because the majority of doctors are not integrated. So do you mean they not need to integrated start into um, what we do, or you mean integrated in what we do is in complementary healthcare. Okay, yeah, yeah. So they're not going to be able to um, decipher immediately what you're going to do. Yeah, okay. You know, so it's it's really important that you step gently yeah. with yeah. them initially in building that relationship. Yeah. I think I think this sort of brings me um, to I guess the the pointy end of the conversation, the, the apex is I guess how can we offer um, newish practitioners listening to the podcast? How can we offer them a shortcut? So what I'm thinking is, I mean, it might take you a minute to sort of think about this and a three-step plan, for example. Could, is, yes. Would you be able to, do you think you could condense a shortcut into how to get into a working relationship with a GP and how to keep that going in three simple oh, steps? You <laughs> you've got a couple of options straight away. You've yeah. got a couple of options. If you're new to it, you've just started a practice or you started working out of a practice somewhere, um, you may wish to send a few emails off or contact the clinics. Um, I contacted a clinic yesterday um, regarding a patient, but I rang the clinic and I said to them, hi, my name's Stuart Houghton, look, I'm a naturopath, Yanni Miranda. Um, I've got a patient that's, you know, consulting with this doctor in your clinic and I just need to forward on some information to that doctor. What's the best route? Does she have an email at that clinic or is it just a generalised email? Or what's my best point to get 
get onto her. And the, the woman just said, oh, yeah, great, no problem. Send it through to admin at blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And she said, I, and I said, okay, so how does that email get to her? She goes, I can just give it to her. If you just send it through, ring me back, and I'll, I'll go and hand it to her personally. I said, is that doctor in today? She said, no. So I said, are you in tomorrow? And she said, yes, and I got a name. I said, okay, can I send it tomorrow? So today I wrote that email. I rang her up at lunchtime and said, look, I've sent this email through. And she said, oh, yes, Stuart, I was waiting for that to come through. And she let, went and handed it to her. Okay, nice. So that was a so multi-point multi process that way, phone call, yes. email, and then another follow-up again to make sure it's happened. Yes, because you want to be ensure that you're a bit of a bad smell. You've, you've, you've got to sort of get them familiar with your name and who you are and what you're doing. Um, because it also points at your care. You don't want to be lingering for too long, but you just want to linger long enough that they can they know it's there. Um, <laughs> okay, so that's, that's, that's point one. So that's one way in. Um, yes. And you said you've got a couple of options. Yes, so if, if the, the actual um, patient is, like the practitioner, um, is got a patient already, like that's, that's an option. If they're not familiar with the practice, they need to contact that practice. They can walk into that doctor's office and say hi you know my name's you know Stuart Houghton I'm from here I'm a naturopath this is what I do do you guys would you guys be ever have patients come in using nutraceuticals etc blah 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 and explain that you know the degree they're now four-year degrees explain you've done a bachelor degree you know write a little blurb on yourself Mm -hmm. Um, get familiar especially if the clinic and those clinics should be really close to you really close, preferably walking distance. Um, Because you want to share the patients. Yes. You want to just say, look, I'm just down the road. This is what I do. I love. And and really remember to use that almost bathtub effect, you know. I really love medicine. I love this, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, this is what I do. And sometimes when patients get side effects from antibiotics or blah, 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 I prescribe any probiotics to support that. And, you know... And that might help with your treatment yeah. of what you're trying to achieve. Okay. Do you find you have you know? to prove yourself? I think if you focus on proving yourself, you take away from the goals of helping the patient. Right, yeah. Nice. If that makes sense, because yeah. you get too self-involved. Um, mm-hmm. I know that feeling. I remember when I had my first specialist come into me as a patient and I remember going, I had a lot of uh, contact with that specialist initially and um, they got great results and then I started feeling really nervous about treating them, yeah. really nervous. And I thought, I've got to get this right, I've got to get this right. And in fact, I didn't need to get it right because I didn't get it right the first time. I remember her being really tired and fatigued and I thought, you know what, I'm going to give her the strongest thing ever, you know. <laughs> I'm going to pick this woman up and make her feel fantastic. Well, it didn't work very well because guess what, she went in to do surgery and she was shaking because mm. she was just so overwhelmed. So she's calling me from the, from the phone next to the operating theatre saying, I can't stop shaking, I don't know what's wrong with me. And I went, oh no. I felt terrible, absolutely terrible. But the funny thing was she came back and I told her and she said, oh, my God, I get so strong. It turned out it was actually a great thing because she realized how effective um, mm. nutraceuticals could be. Mm-hmm. And she did actually also tell me she took double of what I told her to take. <laughs> so it, it, she didn't admit that until I saw her again. 
Um, but she never wanted to take that product again after that. But she did come back to me, and she is a patient to this day, and I still see her. Yep. And I see her kids, and I see her husband, and the whole lot. But it's, it's, yeah, it's nerve-wracking. Sometimes you do feel like you have to prove yourself, and that's okay to feel that way, but just remember it doesn't matter if you get it wrong. Okay. Right. You know? It's, it's, we, we all have to learn from it. And I learned not to care. I know that sounds very odd, but when you when you actually feel like you have to prove yourself, you yeah. have to stop caring. You just have to go, okay, I don't care if I get a result or not. This is what I'm seeing and this is what I need to do. So you're not and being I don't attached need to, get a re- to the process. You're being attached to the outcome? Do not get attached to it. No, no, you can't get attached to the outcome. Okay. You can't. Right. You need to get attached to knowing the steps that are required. Yep. Um, so a patient will come in. Today I had a patient come in who's, who's had a lot of problems with her bowel. And I explained to her that, you know what, this is where we want to start. You've had this going on for over 20 years. This will not go away straight away. This is what we're going to start with. And we're going to work our way through trying to improve it. So I don't expect you to come back to me in four weeks' time telling me you're a heap better. But this is the signs that we're going to look for. Mm -hmm. So a step-by-step process. Step-by-step. And you can process that the same way with the doctor and when the doctor's aware of that because if you make it clear you're not trying to treat symptom you're trying to get the person back into good health that you're a supportive role for that health care can i summarize what we've talked about just for um like just from you know the whole i think that's why the last well we're only going to talk for 30 minutes and we got nearly an hour um so looking at okay so so advice you know bits i've taken out as we've gone along is um, and they're in no particular order, but starting the bottom end there with, uh, as you said, be a, be a bit like a bad smell. So be persistent and consistent, I think, is probably the two two point there with that. Making sure you're going through the office manager, the receptionist, um, contacting as an initial, contacting the doctors there. Um, secondly, building a strong, firm, respectful relationship where you respect them and expect them to respect you. Um, making sure that when you are working in with the doctors or the specialists that you keep a constant communication going about what you're doing, the results, what you expect to see, um, and thanking them for their time with that. Very much so. Um, And also having systems in place with regards to your letters that are simple and straightforward um, and having that follow-up. And making sure the patient is also giving feedback to the doctor about their experience okay, with yep, you. Yep. That is very important. When the patient states to the doctor, I saw Stuart and I feel so much better from this. Mm. Or I saw Stuart and he gave me this and I, and I felt terrible, but he took me off it and then he did this and I felt better. You know, it, mm. it's making sure the doctor's aware that I'm listening to the patient as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, that's an interesting point you should bring just right at the end there is uh, that doctors also very much try different drugs with patients. So they try something, and if it doesn't work, then they'll try them on the next one. If that doesn't work, they try That's them right. on the next one. So they're used to that process of chopping and changing to find something that somebody's going to react to. So don't feel, as a practitioner, a natural health care practitioner, that you can't change and try different things. 100%. Yeah. Okay. 100%. That's correct. And that's what we need to make clear to our patient. I, I did have a lady walk in today that was that was taking something and a probiotic and it was not giving her the result I expected. Mm. 
mm. you know, and she was telling me that when she takes it, she was, she was experiencing certain symptoms. And I went, okay, well, that's probably this in it, and that's why it's doing it, et cetera, et cetera, and we want to take you off that. And then I reinstate to the patient as well, if that happens, please don't leave at six weeks. You notice this at two weeks of taking it, you should call us and tell us straight away. Yeah. Hey, I'm getting this. And you know what? We'll make adjustments because that's what it is. We don't want them suffering, yeah. you know, yeah. because sometimes people also get nervous or anxious to tell you that something you've given hasn't worked. Yeah. And it's not a reflection on you as a practitioner at all. Mm. It's actually their individual body and every single person is different and we can never promise someone a perfect result. Yeah. You know, we can tell them that we're going to work with them, that we're on their team and we're going to help them get to where they need to, but they have to help us by communicating. Yep. And that goes for the doctors, that goes for the patients, that goes for us. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's important. I mean, I imagine that there'll also be some integrated GPs that will listen into this uh, podcast as well. We're seeing a, a growing uh, influx of general practitioners that are wanting to become integrated GPs throughout Australia and New yeah. Zealand and you know that is just such a wonderful thing to have um, people you know functional medicine practitioners functional medicine doctors that are coming in so you know it's nice to know that we can open that that communication channel up between between it's both important. sides hmm. definitely definitely it's very important it's yeah. absolutely vital where where people maybe living longer, but they're not necessarily living healthier, longer lives. Yeah. Um, we're seeing more and more um, sickness. We're seeing more and more stress. And a lot of these factors you can't just deal with with one modality. Mm. You know, naturopathy cannot fix everything. Medicine can't fix everything. Surgery mm. can't fix everything. Um, you know, healthy eating doesn't fix everything. Um, so we really need to work as a team together to get people better and respect each other's modalities if we're going to get people changing. You know, the biggest aspect we're seeing these days is that we, we tend to be really moved, the way people are getting ill, I should say, we really seem to be moving a, away from patients relying on their doctors and even their naturopaths, and it's really going into self-care. Mm. So it's very important that we educate our patients to really know how to look after themselves you know, and, and know when things are right, whether they're taking a drug that isn't helping them. That's the responsibility of the doctor. You know, if they're taking a nutraceutical or dietary changes that they can implement, that's the, the, the duty of the naturopath and the nutritionist. We really need to encourage our patients to learn to look after themselves and take note when they're not feeling well. Mm, very, very true. We do need to do that, that constant uh, vigilance, if you like, with that. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for your time today, Stuart. I really appreciate that. And I know that uh, there'll be a lot of practitioners that will have been furiously writing notes down and, and taking tips down from all your wise words there. And it's wonderful that you're flying the flag for the natural health care practitioners and just letting, letting the GPs and specialists know that we do a great job and that we are a very valuable part of the medical world. So thank you very much for that. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Metagenics Best Practice Podcast. Find us on iTunes and leave a review. Join our practitioner-only Metagenics Facebook group to be informed of new podcast releases, keep up to date with key industry updates and more. 
visit metagenics.com.au to find useful links and resources relating to this podcast and sign up to our e-newsletter. <laughs>